Hi, my name's Sean. That's, I started pointing at Chris before I finished. This Sean, me Sean here. That Chris Ford, a.k.a. Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter. We are Avatar, the last podcasters. Just like we've always been. Not the great divide, much to my dismay. Today we're talking about Legend of Korra, book three, change, chapter two. And it's called Rebirth. So, uh... Chris, first of all, how are you doing in the past five minutes since we talked last time? Uh, I'm doing good. I recently rewatched the Zaheer fight and uh, put a smile on my face because I love the fight at he, the end of last episode. He's literally squeezing in last minute episode watching between between our recordings. No, I'm just kidding. Chris, I don't even <laughs> think you have to rewatch these. I think you know them by heart. I think you just <laughs> yeah. it's it's an excuse to rewatch them. Uh <laughs> We are going to do just a little bit backwards. Last episode, we alluded to having some discussion about Sahir. I think what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this episode first because it's very revealing to Zaheer's abilities, both as a bender and as a, I don't know, a strategist, a leader, maybe. Um, and so I think we're going to talk about the episode first, and then we will jump into a quick discussion about some feelings that we have about Zaheer, and then what was said in the commentary of these first two episodes. Uh, so that being said, Chris, unless you unless you have any news that's popped up on the Twitter in the past 10 minutes. Uh, uh, <laughs> news check. We need like a news bulletin sound like... This just in. So far, no, just a random picture of... We're probably Brandon up to Martin episode six and... of Braving the Elements now, and we, uh, you know, not just Bull and Smoke because it's Avatar stuff, but it's been genuinely enjoyable thus far through four episodes. So we hope that if you like Avatar uh, content, the Avatar universe, and you listen to any podcast, we genuinely hope that you will go listen to that and enjoy it as much as we're enjoying it so far. I, no, I love them both. Really, no I love them both, but listening to, no disrespect to Dante Bosco, but listening to Janet Varney's voice in podcast form is just a treat. Yeah, she's she's great. She and it's funny because I can, I can easily separate her core voice from her oh, Janet yeah. Varney voice. Her Varney <clears> voice <throat> is is notably higher, and, and far more positive and and cheery, and, and like more... it'll be interesting. <laughs> she can voice like Ty Lee really well, I think. I think uh, when I think of Janet Varney's podcast voice, it's more of like like a teacher or something like that, mm, the way that she okay. carries herself. Or she's she, leading a conference, but she's like good at yeah. doing it. She's not just like the, the middleman guy at the office. Like she's somebody good at leading a group speak. She would probably be a great teacher. Yeah, I think so. I'd learn, I'd learn <laughs> from Janet Varney. Why not? So, uh, hey, that being said. I wonder then, what type of teacher would she be? Well, Probably obviously, like, she would be a waterbending teacher, Chris. God, use your brain. <laughs> Probably English or art teacher. <laughs> Definitely not math. Martial like, she'd be arts. Like a, she'd be like a creative writing teacher. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I remember I made my creative writing teacher cry with one of my writings. Oh. <laughs> it was a really good uh, <clears throat> uh, college essay, sort of. Anyway, I was talking about my dad and, uh, <clears throat> and how it was just a... Uh, a moment that I, I just one well, I'm, I'm proud of this writing because in a way it's, it was a sad moment. I was talking about my dad in this moment with my grandmother and how she was on her deathbed and this is his mother-in-law. Anyway, he and I, and I wrote how like the tear was going down his cheek and down and and everything and dropped to the floor. Um, and then like <laughs> she was the thing is I was I was sitting there and she was reading it and she was like crying. I was with like my friends sitting there getting kind of graded and like. Me not trying to be like very emotional around my friends and stuff. <laughs> like we're just like I'm laughing, and she was like, "This is good." <laughs> but she was a great. I always always think about that teacher, uh, Doctor Simcoe. And that was great teacher. Uh, yeah. Pitt yeah. State. No, Sorry. no, no, no. Sorry, no, East Coasters. Oh, not, not, not in high school. Okay. At Booker T. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So I, I can see Jen Varney being that type of English. Uh, creative writing teacher. <laughs> I I think she's just a self help seminar person. That's what I said. She's just Tony mm, Robbins, okay. but but fun to listen to. Yeah, and, and so not Tony Robbins. But <laughs> let's let's go ahead and get into this episode <laughs> and review this sucker, and then talk about 
some, what were we talking about again? Oh, Zaheer. We'll do that at the end. Let's get in the episode first. Chris, you want to take us through? All right. So episode starts off with Asami giving, doing the greatest display of love is that you, know, you hear your friend just wants to go uh, go uh, re reestablish Ernobath. And so you bring along this big old airship. It's all fancy and stuff. This is like the best airship in the world. <laughs> Money like, can't buy so you love, kids, but sometimes it makes life easier. <laughs> but it's funny, Mike and Brian <laughs> were talking about the airship, and they're like in the writers' room because Brian handles the art; like he's very focused on the art of, of the show, and then Michael's focused so much on the writing, like he has the writers' room. And Brian's like, "Like I would go into the writers' room and hear them really kind of arguing or just debating on." how they're going to fit all these airbenders, how they're going to move them around, and how they're going to fit them, like, on a ship. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he was like, so then we designed the ship, and we designed it really nicely, designed all the interiors of it and everything, and then we only ended up using it really for, like, a couple of episodes. <laughs> but uh, I, got, I always like those little, those little bits of, I mean, of random info. That's there's not... nothing against uh, Asami like having this kind of extra airship hang around for, you know, whatever. She can be an eccentric millionaire or whatever the Avatar equivalent is. That's true, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that is, so they gather up. Oh, uh, Michael's still kind of weird. And stuff. Super weird, yeah, super weird. Yeah, yeah he's very super weird. And uh, he he gives he gives Cora like a map of all these Airbender sightings that they've gotten, and then he's like, "All right, yeah, Avatar, uh, whatever." Later, and then Bolin's like, "You should come with us." Like, and then Bolin goes through this like, "Mako, we're going to Bossing Say where Dad grew up." Yeah, like, what if we see our lost grandma? Like, and then he goes through this whole spiel. <laughs> Where's my Mako? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's adorable. <laughs> He's like, I feel like I'm drifting away. And then Bolin's like, well, then drift back, buddy. <laughs> Bolin is why. one of those people where if you if you tell them that you have anxiety, that he would just be like, well, don't be anxious. And you'd be like, oh, <laughs> damn it, Bolin. No. Bolin, you don't get it. That's not how. He's that guy, but... yeah. Like, his heart's Sometimes... in the right place. But... <laughs> I, was about to, I was about to say something. But then I thought of John Mulaney and juggled. Like, sometimes I get... Nervous on airplanes, <laughs> <laughs> and you're uh, you're like I'm gonna go to the doctor, and Bolin's just like, don't be nervous. <laughs> but Thanks, sometimes Bolin. the thing about I don't get anxiety that much, but I get I get I like to call it anxious about things. But sometimes I get anxious about something, and I'm like, what the heck am I anxious about? Like you just have that feeling of anxiousness, and when you don't I have any with clues, that feeling on the forefront it... of my brain every minute of every day. Oh, <laughs> like you, like you don't even know what you're. And then I gotta think to myself, "Oh yeah, I'm anxious about this." And then it's, <laughs> and then it's in my head for a minute. But then the thing is, I, I'm a very balanced person. Like I don't know, I just work through it in my head. Like, like, like worrying about things and being anxious about things in my head is like it's it's illogical. So just don't do it. Don't worry about it. I don't tell other people that, but that's how, like, it's not going to help. This is, no, this no. is good. Uh, hashtag real talk here. We're not, we're not therapists and we're not going to pretend to be, uh, but this is, uh, this is important to me and it's something I think about a lot. Something I, uh, I don't want to say struggle with, uh, because I don't want to be yeah. little, I don't want to be little mm-hmm. an ailment that other people oh, actually uh, have to yeah, a serious real... degree. When, but for me, and it does, it just flares up at random uh, like it just the smallest thing will set it off or nothing at all will set it off and it'll be like a day or two days but I will say that I have found that when I am like eating a little healthier and exercising a little healthier and like mm. sleeping at least maybe not more hours but like like a good sleeping schedule like good those other kinds of habits I feel like if I if I really tracked I would find a direct correlation between those things happening less on those days so you know uh, taking care of yourself uh doing doing positive things having creative outlets those sort of things i think they all at least help me mitigate some of mine but again that's not to pretend that i like yeah. suffer in the same way or belittle something that other people have to a serious degree 
Not my intention. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, other people have it. But like, but really. take care of yourself uh if you can or as well as you can and I I do believe it helps to some degree. Oh, yeah. Yeah, real talk. I, th- I think it I think it's uh, been proven that like working out helps just releases certain uh, endorphins and things like that. And those things all tie together. So I, I mean, I sleep better when I eat better and when I work out better mm-hmm. when I exercise my creative outlets or yeah. yeah. For me, it's, it's a positive cycle. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, I am. Man, I don't know. I, I feel like I've. I don't know why I don't worry about a lot of stuff sometimes. Like I concern over things, but I think just. It's just in my personality, just the way I don't know, I'm, I'm built. Uh, and again, not to belittle anyone who worries about stuff all the time, because trust me, I live with people. Right? That my wife is opposite of me. She used to be a lot worse than it is now, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's 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 something to something to, to always work through and, and keep your. I don't know. If I had the Jim Carrey quote on me, <clears throat> um, I would totally say it. Instead, I'll just butcher it. Uh, but there's a really good Jim Carrey quote uh, that's usually put in like meme form or picture on the internet. Like, yeah. if you're if you're not eating healthy, exercising, all those other positive things I just said, then you're not even giving yourself a chance. So it's not that it's mm-hmm. the cure, but it's like the the yeah. fat, like the bare minimum for for help to even be possible. So yeah. take care. You're of you're better equipped if you take care. Yeah. of Yeah, and the fact that it comes from Jim Carrey is also <laughs> kind of funny for some reason. He did. I don't know. He seems like he's a really stand-up dude, off of uh, off the set. Yeah, I haven't I haven't heard anything bad, but I feel like everybody seems like they enjoy working with him and then being with him, off the set. Yeah. Also, I feel like you know the good thing I feel like about the BT movement, which one thing is just a good thing that that people are are being held accountable. Uh, so afterward, after I feel like everything, like uh, if any celebrity made it past that, you're like, oh, well, they must have. And not not to say that you know things are hundred percent they're in the clearance and stuff, but but oh, I haven't heard anything bad about this person yet, and I've only heard good things about them. Like they, you know, they must. There's a good chance that they're uh, good people. Like if you didn't hear accusations in that window, in that like peak window of time, you're like, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah, maybe, cross maybe, your fingers, maybe you know. Maybe they are who they say they are. Yeah, but. I like to think that. Like, about, I like to think that about him, and I like to think that about Keanu Reeves. I don't know why. Mm. I like to think that about both those yeah. people. Keanu Reeves is is a. I've been told that if you see any picture of Keanu Reeves with a woman, he usually never like you know how people. He's like never never touching him. Yeah. Yeah, and even though like there's nothing inherently wrong with just like oh you're gonna take a picture of me like yeah that's you know like it's somewhat innocent but also it could be skewed in, in some different ways but counter reason i've only seen this on the main meme line same right like, same landscape if it's in picture form yeah um uh, i uh but for the record you cannot be a sexual predator and predator and still be an asshole we're not mutually excluding those two very very true <laughs> very we're not letting them off the hook <laughs> if they're bad people we swear but uh yeah. hey that was that was some hashtag real talk on Avatar Last Podcasters. I like that. <laughs> um, I don't remember where we were okay. in the episode. We were talking yeah. about an airship, and then somehow it devolved into, or not not devolved. It went up. It evolved into hashtag Real Talk, but I don't remember where we were. Yeah. All right, so we'll we'll just talk about uh, plot A. So plot A. Uh, in a plot, uh, in a plot, Korra and Tenzin are going around trying to gather up airbenders, and they are having a terrible time. At first, the first person Tenzin meets, he's um, he's he's like, oh, what a great honor it is to meet you. Like, and then he's like, you know, you'll have, he's telling him like, like, oh, you'll you know, you'll have this and this and this as an airbender. And then like when you come with us, and the guys like, what are you talking? About? I'm not going with you. He's like, but you must. Like, you're an airbender now. Like, he's like. I can airbend. I'm I'm no air man. I'm no monk. Yeah, he says like, it so beautiful. Like he does the right thing. He's like, no, I get it. But <laughs> you're like, I I feel really bad for the farmer. I was kind of proud of the way the farmer said it at first. No offense, Tenzin. Yeah. Um, and the little girl's like, "Daddy, is this man trying to take you?" And then <laughs> and the chorus like, "No, he's not. I mean, but I mean, we do." want to take him <laughs> with us we're trying but to he's never, like he, he has a great responsibility 
and then and then that leaves them on a sour note. Um, there's some really great commentary in here that they talk about how Tenzin. I feel like I feel like their commentary was reflecting on, and maybe I'm just, uh, you know, I feel like their commentary was was talking about how like one person's beliefs can be completely different from another's, and yet it shapes them completely differently. Um, and I'm butchering the commentary on this, but it was fairly insightful. <laughs> so go go listen to that commentary. Um, so then they go and they keep meeting with people and stuff, and then like Tenzin's like. Saying all the the the, the uh, great things about being an airbender is like you'll have your own bison, you'll get these free clothes, like get you to get to shave your, your head. head. <laughs> yeah, and no one's going for it. Who doesn't want then, a bison, or who doesn't want their best friend to be a bison? Yeah, exactly. That was my and that's when Boomy. Like, that's yeah. when Boomy says like, that's when Boomy is like, don't worry, Tenzin, I want to be in your air. I want to be in your air nation. <laughs> like, uh, like I know, touching I know, Boomy. I feel like Boomy wants Tenzin to be really happy for him. The thing is, Tenzin hasn't been overly happy for him. That's it's it's hmm. almost like Tenzin, Tenzin jumped the shark a little bit. Like, hey, you got your brother here who wants to, who's like a willing participant, but you already like you already got your mind on this bigger. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, it's not it's not Tenzin's finest hour. No, 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 it's not not at all. Um, this isn't his finest. Again, I, I love how Tenzin is is growing <laughs> uh, throughout these seasons. He's he's uh, being challenged in a couple of different ways. I feel like he probably has the uh, probably the second best, maybe third best character arc in in the series. Um, and not, I'm sorry, not in the whole in series. in the Legend of Korra. <laughs> in, in the Legend of Korra. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> no, I don't know if I'll put him on now, the top three in the whole series. It probably goes Zuko, Korra, Iroh, Sokka, Katara, Azula. You just tackled yeah. a real deep subject in a matter of like off your head of five seconds. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's talk about this really big thing. Here's how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's fairly accurate, I guess. I should maybe rank them sometime, huh? Anyway, another idea from who has the ranking the character arcs of the of the characters. Anyway, um, <laughs> and then of course, like, all right, we done it your way. Let's do it my way. <laughs> then this this part was so hilarious to me. She goes <laughs> and meets with his mom, and then she's like. Justin's voice actress does a great job of being that mother who's just trying to get rid of her of her of her kid for once. And she's like, you know, he's uh I'm really excited still, about this. He has a great opportunity. Like life out. Yeah, he's yeah, he's still figuring his life out. And then Cora's like, huh, how old is he? And then she says, you know, the way Jennifer delivers the line is like, How old is the little scamp? And then she says, like, he's 22 or something? Wait, did she say 26? She might say 26. 20, no, 22. 22? Okay. I think she said 22. And then, and then, of course, like, well, you know, I think we have a great opportunity. And then the mom was like, yes! And then, like, <laughs> she's like, Ryu, come out here! He's like, yeah, what is it? <laughs> and, and he's voice, oh my gosh, I forgot his name. I want to John say John. Hader. Yeah, yeah. Napoleon Dynamite. Um, so I don't like Napoleon Dynamite, but I do like the movie Benchwarmers. So, uh, but I can't think of his name in there. Clark? Is it Clark? I don't know. And then, yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's John Heater. And you just, it's not like some other characters. You're like, hey, that voice actor sounds vaguely like, oh, you're like, oh, that's just Napoleon Dynamite. That's all yeah. that guy is. But his, his interaction with Cora is just so good. Because Cora's like, listen, you're an airbender now. You have responsibilities. He's like, no, I don't. And then she's like, what, "What?" She's like, "I was, you know, I didn't." He's like, "I didn't choose to be an Airbender." And she's like, "Well, I didn't choose to be the Avatar, but I am, and I have to do my responsibilities." Like, "No, you don't." She's like, "Yes, I do, or the world will be in great peril." He's like, "She's like, do you want the? No one wants the world to be in great peril." And he's like, "Maybe I do." No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. He's like, "I don't care." 
It's like, who cares? And she's like, everyone cares. <laughs> it's just, just a great, great interaction. I just love that. So also, much. he only has one shoe on when he comes upstairs, and I kind of admire that. Oh, gosh. That's hilarious. I admire just the laziness of it. Yeah. The details. But um, uh, Just listening um, to that kid pisses me off because he's like, you know, there's people out there that, like, that's how they act and behave. and Yeah. But it's funny because he comes back in, in later seasons with dyed hair and he's like an actual airbender showing people around and stuff. And his mom is like, that's my boy right there. And then like she's like, right, but nobody's going to talk about his character arc being the biggest. Mm, mm, mm. You know what? Pretty bad oversight there, Chris. That's, that's true. <laughs> he went from... The thing is, I feel like he does it not because like for any great guy, just like, well, I might as well do this. Well, that's kind of the first step is like that logical. And then later you get to sort of the embracement of it. Like you oh, go from okay. uh, compliance to commitment in there somewhere. And, well, uh, thing, how did he even step. get, so it, later no on in, in book four, how do you get this job of showing people around going, being a tour guide for the spirit vines? Like, how does that even an air nomad job? Like the rest of the air nomads are like, Man, we are we are split. Like we're really thinned out. Like we're trying to keep peace in the air in the in the Earth Kingdom. I like to think of it <laughs> that as like the means of income to support the uh, to support the wherever they live. I have. I no mean, idea. I don't think that, I don't think they really need. I don't think they have income. Really, they're the uh, air acolytes kind of take care of them. I'm sure they do like all the farming. They probably just have like small gardens and farms and stuff they're vegetarians that was one of uh tenzin's pitches by the way you get to be a vegetarian <laughs> yeah that's a. Uh... oh gosh i just want to unmute this right now so i can listen to i got the episode playing and it's chorus meeting <laughs> right whatever his name is the... i don't Napoleon know Dynamite right ryu something like that yeah. some street fighter character <laughs> Cora. i don't care <laughs> she she like grabs him, air kicks this chair over, and then slams him up against the chair. And then by the end of it, Michael and Bolin has to pull Cora off of him. I'm but, just so glad it's John Heater. Yeah. Then they were saying like they didn't have to like ask. It's like a lot. They're like a lot of times when we're asking for voice actors, like you know we gotta go ask and like oh maybe they'll do it. Like we gotta just offer the job to them. He was saying, like, we just got the audition for John, for John Heater. Like, we just, he just applied and, and we had the audition tape. We're like, yeah, yeah, let's go with John Heater. <laughs> yeah, if we want that guy to be in our show, why not? The yeah. guy who's like at the pinnacle of popularity right now. Yeah, let's do him. Because <laughs> when did Napoleon no, Dynamite sure. come out? Like 2006? Yeah, somewhere around there. But it would have, it would have been. I think passes. Passes. Uh, yeah, it would have been past like Blades of Glory, which, by the way, in like my that. opinion, is his most underrated work. I like Blades of Glory. I've okay. only seen it kind of once, but uh, that was I, of, I, of I liked the stupid it humor Will Ferrell movies. It's in my top two. Uh, nah, no. Of the, know, of the stupid of... humor Will Ferrell movies. I mean, which aren't they all kind of stupid humor? Well, if Will Ferrell's in it, yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, there's only a select few Will Ferrell movies I feel like isn't stupid humor, like Stranger Than Fiction. I Which wouldn't consider. nobody cares about. Let's be honest. I liked Stranger Than Fiction. Really? I mean, I, mean, I saw it. I just I care zero percent about that type of movie. The concept I think is cool. Uh, Bewitched does that? Does that? Count? I think I don't. That's not I, stupid I, humor. I, I, That's I think, just a bad movie. No, yeah, I think that would count. I don't. Yeah, I, I didn't like that movie. Uh. <laughs> There's an ep- yeah, there's, a, that, there's a cutaway in Family Guy that, like, they do the line where she's like, "I'm a witch," and he's like, "I'm a Clippers fan," and then Stewie like like boards the plane and flies all the way to L.A. and goes to his house, like sets up a ladder, crawls up the ladder, rings the doorbell, and then Will Ferrell answers and he beats him over the head. And he's like, "That's not funny." It's like a five uh, five. It's not five minutes. It's like a minute long cutaway just for him to hit yeah. Will Ferrell <laughs> in the head after watching that clip. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, so then so they're having trouble recruiting airbenders. So then Bolin is like, "Let me do it," you know. And he's like, "We guys are missing the pizzazz." And Cortez was like, "They just look at you like, all right, sure, whatever." And then 
And then they put on like a little circus show, and then <laughs> and then Cora is like Airbendy Mako, <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, and then they get Kai. Kai's join <laughs> Kai, and then they're like, "Hey, just to let you know, like we're taking you to like a temple for you to grow up and be like a monk." He's like, "Yeah, sure, let's do that." <laughs> like sooner the better, you know? Why not? Yeah, All right, let's leave right now. And then, and then these uh, people come to round him up. Well, he first tells them his fake sob story, <laughs> and then Bolin falls for it. Glenn Zeger's like, you know, just just call me Bolin. You know, I'll, I'll be your your big brother, your big brother Bolin. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, then the people come to round him up, and they think they're uh, bandits. And Cora kicks the crap out of them, <laughs> but they're they're easily they're clearly not. Bandits, like they all have uniforms. Very nicely dressed uniforms in a non-threatening way. <laughs> yeah. For the record, I think John Heater, Napoleon Dynamite, two thousand four, Benchwarmers, oh six, Blades of Glory, oh seven, Surf's Up, oh seven. So, oh four does this. So he is a few years past his. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, probably like four or five past that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, and there's nothing wrong with applying for voice actor positions like a lot of actors like doing voice actor because it's not as much work um or as it's not as time consuming i would say mm-hmm. as as doing acting make a good little extra change thanks for thanks for doing that john heater i loved you in surfs up i forgot that was you <laughs> the chicken from wisconsin oh, oh okay yeah another solid ish you know not solid it's a fine flight but anyway um kai is a jerk and i'm just gonna say this it's not because they're it's not because i see parallels in them i just view them with the same amount of disdain but kai is the new jet hmm. there's okay. no parallels in like character traits that i care about i just i just yeah. hate him because a new character shape yep um, Maybe it's because one member of Team Avatar really likes him, and the rest hate ooh, them, and the rest of them yeah. are right. Maybe that's the parallel. Janora uh, takes crush yeah, takes a little is bit. very similar to Katara's immediate crush. Yeah, um, but I think ah, but he Bolin really comes likes around, him too, especially actually, so that that yeah, throws my theory out the window. And Korra, you know, likes him. It's only Mako. They're really, oh, and Tenzin, because Tenzin is like has that father. Uh, that father warning going like, yeah, don't trust right. this kid. So now throw my theory out the window. I just just know that I hate him. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> How this kid that lives on the street gonna rec- recreate Airbender moves when I don't know? Oh, I mean they're they're pretty basic. I suppose. Yeah. Uh. So that is pretty much the a plot, I believe. Um, not much else going on in the a plot. They're but, they're both a plots in this one. Let's be honest. Like I think they, so. They're both. There's no very, B plot. Very, it's just a and a. Yeah, I think that's valid. Um, so this one is all about the red lotus, and and Zaheer. Uh, first, he gets out Gazan. He he has the boat, <laughs> and uh, he just throws some rocks. One thing, it's a great shot. A lot of great prison shots in in this episode. Like I feel like prison shots. You know, ranging all the way back to like Hannibal Lecter and stuff like that, where things are kind of in the cell with the prisoner and looking into the like it's in the shadows and it's gloomy and it's not well lit and stuff. It's really cool. We had that with Zaheer and we had that with uh, Gazan here, him just like working out, got those cool tattoos <clears throat> and stuff. Uh, he, he jumps in there, air bends his way around there, throws just three rocks. Into there, which he could have just airbended in from a distance and saved some trouble, but that's fine. I mean, other air, other earthbenders might block them, right? I suppose. Yeah. Do that? They, they would like and, sense uh, it seismic sense, but just like a little tingle, like. <laughs> yeah, and I really love how this prison, like they've tailored these prisons for specifically for these people. Like, and this one is out on a wooden freaking pier or whatever it is in the middle of the ocean. Um, and is, and that uh, is really cool kind of prison. And then the guy takes three rocks and then lava bends them, turns them into like a little disc thing, and and uh, he takes them. He breaks out, and they're both just taking out all the guards. Uh, just really great, cool scene. I just love how 
because um breaks out prison. Like, he does this cool backflip sort of dealy, which I don't know, just really great animation, really great fighting. I even like just you know when he cuts the uh, he cuts like a triangle into the side of his yeah. prison, but it's like a really weird offset triangle, and there's this little uh-huh. thing that like when he kicks it out from the other side and it's oriented the proper way and everything. I don't know, just real good detail. Yeah. Um, so then, so he breaks out him, and then uh, <laughs> and he's just like, "Where'd you get the new moves?" He's <laughs> like, and so here, and like, then in way too serious and pretentious of a voice, he says, <laughs> "He says, uh, what is it? Oh, he says, you know, I have harmonic convergence to things, but so this is more to Sahir's." It's, I think that's freaking awesome, Sean. That's I like cool. the dialogue. I just uh, oh okay. I don't. I don't know. I took it as a sign that our cause is a righteous one. Like to me, that's like it's such a cool. You already know this villain is going to be cool because the best villains think they're right. That's yeah. Like, that's but he's so <laughs> he's so self uh, self gratifying or something he's very I don't know he's very into his own cause I guess hmm yeah very what's the word like I don't know the other ones aren't nearly as serious as him like they're more sort of <laughs> job oriented and he <laughs> job oriented <laughs> I don't know how to say it he's I taking mean, himself too seriously yeah and you know uh, what? I'll, I'll say it's just an opinion I'm not gonna die on this hill and it's an opinion it doesn't mean anything I don't love the voice acting work it feels a little too stiff for me I, the other ones all feel more natural and organic the other three this feels very stiff and much and also much too like well crafted for a guy that's just spent 15 years in a crate with himself or uh, in not a crate he was in a different prison like there's no way he's yeah. having lots and lots of good conversations with those guards and he's not uh-huh. I don't know. Does he? Does he get to go to the spirit world when he meditates in his cell? He's not been there oh, yet, has yeah. he? I mean, I'm sure he's been there plenty of times. You think so? Oh, I'd yeah. be I'd be interested to see if he has or not. Like like canonically or whatever, I'd be interested to hear Brian and Mike's take. Yeah. Tweet at them. Let's see if they answer us. <laughs> well, they're not on Twitter for good reason. <laughs> let's let's get a uh, let's get a question into the uh, Braving the Elements podcast in like they four years. Start. Yeah. When they get there. Also, we should start stealing some of their segments. They have really good segments. They do. I, I love their segments. Okay. I need to write them down. I got part of, my, uh, <clears throat> part of my Zaheer commentary out of the way. <laughs> Just part. Uh, so then Zaheer and Gazan goes and breaks out um, Mingwa out of her prison. Her prison is in like a freaking volcano. <laughs> Which, again, just the, the way they're tailoring... Uh, these prisons for each person and they're the only prisoners in these prisons so you already know as a viewer that these people are some of the most dangerous people in the world and uh, and all you see is 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 her kind of in a, in, a, in a prison and then they he just throws water in there and then you see the water go to her where her arms would be and you're like oh this this girl doesn't have arms um, which makes it even more of a BA. Like she uses those arms in such a violent, monstrous way. Like it's like the cool thing about these benders are that they're they're not traditional benders. They don't they don't bend like traditional benders. It was, it was a really great. Just the red lotus is a really great um, dichotomy, I guess, to to how we usually think of these the nature of these benders. Um, and I do appreciate that their styles are all like transcendent is the right word or the right theme for them across the board. Yeah. Uh, so then they break her out. Uh, and then we kind of have this, this tell in kind of epilogue sort of deal. We get to see Zuko back and that was freaking huge. Like he's talking to some guard and, and Zuko at first is like, how could you let them escape? And, and they're like, it was Zaheer. It was an airbender. And right then, Zuko's like, Zaheer's an airbender? Shit. <laughs> like, yeah, and even Zuko says, like, 
you know, one of these can defeat any bender in the world, put them together, they can overtop governments, <laughs> overthrow governments. And so now you already have a good sense of, of this, of, of just what the threat really is. Um, and that's just how, and then Zuko comes out, you know, like, where are you going? So I'm going to, I tried to, <laughs> oh yeah, they didn't get to that one. Yeah. And I then, think you're getting, you're getting there. I'm jumping the gun too early. Oh, okay. And then, you know, our, uh, Zuko goes out and you see that freaking dragon, which is really cool <laughs> to see like, holy crap, Zuko's back. He's old and he has a dragon. It's just really uh, awesome. I was more stoked about the dragon than anything, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dragons are back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then in the commentary, they're talking about the dragon. They're like, where's the dragon come from? And then they're like, oh, I mean, the idea is that some descendant from Ran and Shaw. Um, and then and I think it's Michael's like, where are my dragons? Like he's quoting Daenerys from, <laughs> from Game of Thrones. <laughs> Uh, good stuff. Um, and then yeah, that, that, and then Zuko, you know, goes off into the sunset or into something, into whatever direction, flying away on a very BA style. Um, is it not this episode when they rescue what's her name? No, it's uh, in this episode. Okay. Uh dang. I hope I. Well, I guess I put my ratings down. When I watched it, so it should be okay. Um, getting them mixed together a little bit. We yeah. do get as far as hearing that the other person that they're about to rescue, whose name Pili, um, is is Zahir's lady friend. Yep. Um, that, yeah, because uh, meanwhile, bit of exposition in there. Meanwhile, who's voiced by Gray uh, Delisle is a uh, voice. Yeah, voice her, and she says like, "Oh, I'm surprised you didn't rescue your girlfriend first. And he's like, "We're getting her nets." And, and frankly, then. frankly, Gray Delisle does not get enough lines in this season as a whole but that is I, interesting i, I mean it. i the character had the right amount of lines that for the character yeah need. you just um that's fine i, I, I don't know i don't know i don't, I don't know what else more out of her you know I, I just don't know where else you would use her because i mean the only big thing she would be is, is like a big major villain um but that would almost be too redundant of Azula. Like, yeah. she couldn't voice Kuvira, because that would just be, because Kuvira is, is almost like a, not a copy of Azula, but it's like, alright, if you want to talk about, about the... Bolin and Mako's uh, grandma? Just have a... <laughs> think Grey can do grandma? I bet she can. She, oh, her grandma's great. I mean, it's, it's weird that I know how she sounds as a grandma. So, so you listen to that a lot, or... <laughs> <laughs> no, she, uh... She's been on Janet Varney's other podcast, the JV Club, and uh, she's talking about her grandma, and uh, she did her grandma impressions, and, and it's really a, a great <laughs> impression. Her grandma is like Italian or something like that, something uh, European. <laughs> I mean, they're one <laughs> of those Europeans. They all sound yeah. alike. <laughs> That's not. What I, was, I was about to say like. Well, all white people have come from Europe. <laughs> but it's recent European. <laughs> I mean, everybody comes from Africa. We're being... Right, We've gone that far back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. She, she does a, I, yeah. She could she could so, voice a grandma. She could have been. False a recast. Grandma, and it would have been perfect. It, it probably would have been great. Um, false a recast her as like a main character. Uh, it would be tough to have her distinct voice as as any larger I mean, role. I get it. She's a great voice actress. Although anytime she does a performance, I hear her in it. Like it's hard not to hear her. In the same but, way uh, that John Heater is always going to be John Heater and yeah. Grey Delauge. I mean, she I mean she changes it up. Like her her Catwoman is a lot different from her Azula. But there's um, a she vo- just a distinct a, quality. To there's it. there's there's kind of a baseline, and everything just kind of branches from that baseline. But that you hear that baseline, mm-hmm. uh, Grey Delauge voice. 
Um, yeah, I think I think that's fair, and that's part of why I like her. Yeah, she's pervasive great. across Nickelodeon. Uh, <laughs> with that baseline, Actually, her voice. Vicky, her Vicky is different. It's I think. and her Vicky is surprisingly <laughs> dynamic. <laughs> yeah. I love the Chip Skylark episodes. Anything with Chip Skylark in it, I'm a fan. But um, yeah, so we let's let's do our ratings first, and then let's complain right. about Zaheer or defend Zaheer. That's not, I'm not complaining about Zaheer. I, I'm going uh, to. Let's do our ratings first, right. though. Uh, I'm go with eight and a half on the audio visual. Um, the breakout scenes were all great. That's where most of it really comes from. Uh, just the choreography with. Because uh, I don't know how the heck they did the the reference videos for that. That seems. <clears throat> I mean, I guess how they you know. It's, so there's always an element that they can't really completely copy. That they probably just send over the the uh, score cards or whatever it's called. Anyway, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. And then tell them um, to go wild. <clears throat> yeah, make exactly. this look cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So the breakout scenes really. I think it does a good job in, in bumping the score up. Uh, story also an eight and a half, and uh, what was what was a great story element here? Oh man, I was watching the other day. Um, you know, more to hear stuff is good. Just uh, continues to increase that threat level. Um, yeah, so eight and a half on that. Then we get to memorable. There was a lot of memorable things here for me. Just the Napoleon. My, I'm sorry, I keep saying Napoleon Dynamite. Um, John, John Hedder stuff is he absolutely is dynamite. We get it. Yeah, it's okay. It's absolutely hilarious, and I love it. It's it's so good. Um, and then more Ray Lotus stuff is really memorable. Um, meeting that character for the first time, Ming Hua, I think is really good. Oh, and it's the first time we see lava bending, which is really cool. Um, FYI, uh, Ming Hua was born without arms. She didn't have arms and cut off at some oh. point she was born without arms i feel but, like maybe you told me that before but it feels like the first time i'm learning that's kind of interesting yeah. well in an interview in a q a someone asked brian like how did Ming while lose her arms and he, he said can you lose something you never had and he was like yeah she was just born with no arms <laughs> it would have been great if he <laughs> just left it at that rhetorical response <laughs> never really clarified um, so that's great. You know, another good um, representation of of different um, ableisms. Able. No, I forget the uh, the sort of appropriate language, but people with different abilities, I suppose, like people first language. Yeah, I, I'm sure I'm butchering that. I certainly don't mean to. I went with uh, so for audiovisuals. I actually loved uh, loved everything oh, about audiovisually. Nice. It was it was great. There's lots of great stuff on on both plots. Uh, saw a variety of settings, lots of dynamic music sounds. I just loved it. Hardly any complaints, but really can't even think of anything to complain about. Uh, story not so much. Got some complaints about Zaheer, um, though, which we'll we'll touch on a few in a minute. And then I also don't. I know they kind of did it for comedy but it didn't feel real that like they intentionally paired up like Tenzin and Korra's pitches with the people against whom those would have been least effective and it just <laughs> felt like it, it felt like it was a little overdone just for comedy and I don't think that's how their approach would have worked uh, you know I love me some good comedy but not I don't know not not in that fashion I don't think that that stuck out a little and then there's some complaints about Zaheer uh, memorable eight and a half. It is very memorable. Uh, lots of good stuff happening. Me, uh, obviously for me, it drags a little bit into the next episode that I get things mixed up, but that's also just because of the way I binged him. So, yeah, great episode, 8.4. And uh, that 8. leaves 4, us. 8.45. Yeah, rounds up to a nice 8.5. Good score. Hey, Chris, I'm going to complain about Zaheer real quick, and then you can tell me your <laughs> thoughts. I. Listen. <laughs> If you, if you sit, I I don't care how secure with yourself you are. You sit in a cell for fifteen years. You don't come out sane. You maybe come out super buff and stuff. You don't come out sane and really thoughtful and all that stuff. I refuse to believe any of that. Mm. Also, I'm gonna say that no matter how much practice you think you have airbending before you can actually airbend, be like, 
be like me teaching you how to shoot a basketball without a basketball, and then you being instantly good at shooting a basketball the moment I actually hand you the basketball. That's not how it works. I refuse to believe something okay. as complex as bending works. I don't think that he would know where those other prisons are. I don't even think the other members of the White Lotus guarding his prisons would know where those other prisons are. So I refuse to believe that he could access and get to those other prisons and free them so quickly and easily. Mm. I don't think he would have access to that information. And fourth, I hate the convenience that he was sort of prepared to be an airbender. I would have accepted just, you know, a general martial artist, just a a very like physically capable and very wise skilled person or whatever. But I hate the convenience that he was prepared. You still could have had a great line of that. He's an airbender and his three buddies are the other elements. He could have had that feeling of, Oh, it's kind of a fate thing. Don't you think like that's great, but I hate the convenience that he's prepared to be an airbender. Like I, it makes me wish he'd been an earthbender. And so he had done all this work and then he turns into an airbender and he's like, shit, how do I do anything? No, I don't, I don't know why I don't like it. It's just too, like, it's too perfect. It, it lines up too well. It could have been just as engaging if he had just been a studied, well-versed human with great physical abilities and martial artistry. He's obviously great strategically or like a great leader, great plan, uh, powerfully philosophical, all that stuff. And then also I do think that, like, his the I don't love the voice actor working there. I think it's maybe just a little bit too flat to be believable, I guess. Like, a little too... Uh, flat's not the... That makes sound like he's not speaking dynamically, but too measured to be real. Like, people don't... People don't really talk like that. I don't know. And so I just... He's a great villain. There's all these minor tweaks that I think could have been made to make him feel like a more real person who is a villain and it wouldn't have impacted the story at all. It just would have made him feel better to me. Those my zero complaints. I am, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll just mute um, myself now so I can't even interrupt you. I'll try to tackle uh, some of this one by one. I can rehash um, those things one at a time if I got to. I think the the voice, the measured voice, I think supports the character of it because he's not—he's not some diabolical villain. Like he, he's measuring his approach because, you know, that's the way he thinks. Like he's, yeah, you know, he's very methodical and everything. So let me get those methodical characters. You're not gonna get much range, I guess. You're gonna but get. But all the other characters still like represent personality traits while still sounding like real humans. You know, Zuko and Ozai, they still sound like real people, even though they're, like, excessively, you know, extreme one side or the other. Uh, what else was there? Oh, so so before he got airbending, he was a very, very great martial artist. Like, the that's, best. That's fine. That's great, even. Yeah, so that's he's, he was, like, one of the best martial artists. Like, he was already, he was the leader of the Red Lotus. Like, imagine being the leader of the non being a non-bender, the leader of all these people who are bending masters of sub-bending and, and things like that. He must have been really, really great. Uh, and if you look at some of his character designs, his ears are like puffed up because he's fought. So I mean, you know how in the UFC, like Call sometimes you see people with, yeah. Yeah, ear. Like that's why his ears are like that. Um, that because he's been great. fighting uh, so life. And so in the commentary, Brian, takes the point of view of you for a while, for a minute there. He's like, I know some fans are like, hey, how did how did Zaheer already be a great airbender? And Brian said, like, you know, like like I just said, he was already a great martial artist. And when Brian said, when you give a great martial artist, if you give them a broom, they will figure out, because they're a great martial artist and, and martial arts can, can do this, they can figure out how to make that broom an extension of themselves to make it, uh, their own thing like they can turn that broom into a weapon it's like i if you give me a broom i can't turn that broom into a weapon but them as martial artists can turn anything into so when he got airbending he's able to uh to turn that into an extension of his own self you know and that's the way bending is that's the way true bending is, is that you make you make it an extension of, of yourself you don't feel like that's a like comparing it to a broom's a little bit belittling to the complexities of like we're coming 
from a conversation we've had about how like airbenders controlling the temperature, uh, like their internal temperature. Can you imagine? So like the, the, the amount of like the degrees range that we can survive as humans is like, I don't know, like 10, 15 degrees or something for any length of time. So like when they're doing that, like there's, there's gotta be some complexity and precision to all those kinds of control. You're telling me this guy just, just has that well, cause he's a good martial artist. Like, has, I'm not saying he's, he's great at absolutely everything, but he literally like is he, great at everything right out of the gate. I, mean, I don't, I don't I'm know if he, he's, he's he's wearing a lot of bundles. Maybe he doesn't know how to do the whole regulate your body temperature <laughs> with I, that, with, yeah, with your air bending. It's fair to say that he like there's no suggestion that he does that. I just I'm like trying to wrap up the complexities <laughs> yeah, 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 of something like this. Uh, and compare it to to things you already know. I'm sticking with the basketball analogy. It's like you can you can be really gifted athlete and you could have the perfect form down already. But then when I hand you a basketball, like you're not making that first shot. I don't know. There's I don't know though because there are certain athletes that I think would excel in any sport. He's never Zahir has really never seen Airbenders. Yes. He's never. I mean, he is, has nothing. He it's not like he watched NBA on TV and then picked up a basketball either. He's not seen them. He's heard stories of past uh, ones who did not have the same advanced techniques. We've already established that techniques do evolve and change over time. Uh, he's got nothing to work with from a frame of reference of modern airbending. Uh, not anything within the past hundred years. I'm not. I'm not buying it. Not I mean, happy. I feel like once, once you get it's too an ability, he could have been just as good of a villain if he uh, progressing as an Airbender. I don't know. He could have. Been I mean, the thing is, I think you see him. I think you see him progressing. I mean, you so do. He, I he mean, fights. he literally learns to fly. He, which more <laughs> complaints, fights. but we'll we'll get to a different conversation. Oh, I'm I'm completely fine with that one. No, I'm I mean, to- the, well, the, I'm totally fine uh, with that, and I'm not sure. I, Again, it's more of like a tweak that I would make to make it feel better to me. To me, to me, that's not one of those things that you kind of grow into, <laughs> or like you. No, you that's pra- like a you that's a, you that's a mastery. That's a mastery <laughs> thing. You just no, I don't have any issue. It's a, just a tweak oh, of okay. how like his approach to it would make it feel better to me. I think, but we can talk about that when the time comes. Uh, yeah. But uh, I'm cool with with uh, Brian's uh, explanation. I and all this, it. well, all this is fine too. Is I'm not against. He's a great villain. Book three is probably my favorite book, at least of Korra personally. Uh, yeah. And he's a great villain. I just am not as enamored with him as my Korra liking friends. That's all. He's a yeah, little I too think... things things fall to him a little too little too convenient. I mean. He, he got a lot of time to read in prison. He's already read they up didn't on Airbender. Bring Bender. him books in prison. I don't think they're that. Imagine they didn't bring him books I, in I, prison. I don't think the White Lotus and and the uh, and Ang or whoever would be like so so cruel that they wouldn't give someone something to read. Something that's I think prisoners get to read. Like was it, was even nowadays, like people on death row. What Nang's choice? Aang was not around. No, no this no, is no, White no, Lotus. Uh, the yeah. White Lotus, who we know is not perfect. I just think you give them something. To, you give them something to do. Yeah, like, like a crossword, not airbending techniques. <laughs> they they didn't just, give him like a. Lo- many, they didn't give him a airbender scroll of, of to techniques be, to do. To be so good at so many things and have so many things line up just right, there's just too much that's convenient that makes him feel less like a real villain to me. That's all. And that's why he's. And that's why he saw this as righteous. Uh, saw his path. It as does. Righteous it one. feeds his. It 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 funnels. But I think he still could have had uh, a lot of those things, but with, I I guess with like a more natural curve to it. And I think. I think if it wasn't for the fact that he wasn't already a martial artist and making that decision himself, I mean, we see that in book two, Legend of Court, when people are given fire bending, like they just they throw fire. <laughs> they know how to do that. Yeah, so they don't make an extension. Kai, Kai here, he's got themselves. the basics. He just he's getting it out of his system in a literal way. Yeah, like, but Kai wasn't like a martial artist beforehand yeah. who could 
topple the, <laughs> the world governments. Um, and so, yeah, so being, and, and when you see him fight, like he's clearly not using airbender martial arts. Like he's not, he, he doesn't like using Bagua. He's not using circular motions and, and, and trapping people in there. Uh, that part um, I really like. I really appreciate that. Um, uh, but even even the fact of just being like at the pinnacle of martial artistry and uh and like well versed philosophy despite having lost fifteen years of his life like there's just there's just too many things that go like a little too right. I'm gonna call it a plot I mean, convenience you also I think he he's able to go into the spirit world at any time I, if you can confirm so, that, I will be more more convinced if you can confirm that he I mean, has been doing that. He's able to. He's able to I mean, later. I I I Wei can do it. To me, that's not ability. You just like picked up. <laughs> like I Wei can do it. So this is clearly to me a communication method methodology that they were using beforehand. So to me, even though he was in prison, like he wasn't in the prison of his mind, he's able to go to the spirit world anytime, which probably kept him somewhat sane during that. 15 years if, of if being you can confirm up. that he was able to go to that and and uh, make me feel good that they had been had that ability prior uh, as we work through I'm more comfortable with I, that because if mental escape is the most impactful part like that's the part where prison is, is such a <laughs> breakdown the, if you can right. escape mentally that is obviously a huge boost in every way uh, that would ease a lot of my concerns I am 99. Point five percent confident he's always had that not always but he's had that ability Through well beforehand yeah um what was their i mean they don't mention really their lives before and not all of them can can uh well the other three can't meditate into the spirit world i mean only a select people can actually do it and bending wasn't something that made him able to do it because non-benders. No, and it's just another yeah. thing that, like, hey, this all-powerful, perfect guy that's not, like, it's just another thing that plays into his favor that's too convenient for my taste. It's too much. He's like, it comes out too OP. He's not just a fire lord with a bad political dream. He's a, he's an OP character. I don't think he's OP because I think we, like, we, we see him. OP. No, we, we, he fights Kaya, and he doesn't defeat her. I mean, it, it's a pretty... And even she says, she's like, we fall to a draw. And when he fights Tenzin, Tenzin owns him uh, later I mean, on. Not, in, in not, the, not literally OP as, OP as a character. Like, all of his combination of uh, gifts okay. and things that have just... That, again, they just too conveniently line up uh, to make him such a formidable foe. And I just... All I'll say is they all could have been tailored a little differently. To make it feel a little, a little more organic. That's all. Uh, I wouldn't change anything. I totally would. But let's this all say it when when you hash like when you lay it all out there, it makes it sound like and Like we're still talking about my favorite, <laughs> my favorite book in the series here in the core series at least, and a, and a villain who I like. I'm, I'm mad excited to talk about mm -hmm. this because I like all I like all four of them. I love the Red Lotus. As the big bads. Hmm. My, Would you like just a scene sense. of him training in airbending? No. Like after when, when he's with the Red Lotus? No, I just... Like, uh, oh, I need to... He's like, oh, I need to master... Maybe, uh, I need so, to practice you know, he gets harmonic convergence. Maybe get, like, a, a rocky 80s montage of him, like, learning, like, mas little airbending mastery tricks. Like, he doing the... Uh, what are you doing? The uh, okay, air scooter so, around the cell and just whapping into a wall. <laughs> So you want so at some point in the in in the book three, you want him to do a flashback of I do maybe just a flashback of, of his whole story, right? So he has kidnaps Cora, and then he gets trapped, and, and she's he's like, "How did you imagine do him this? just staying in prison?" And then he goes, and he finds some type of he like rubs uh, a scar piece. on his head, and then he has to relive <laughs> the story of running or scootering into a prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the, the scar right on his. That's, well, I got a concussion for a couple of days. It was yeah. a bad time. So here, I don't remember. I remember you having the scar before we bad? left prison. Oof, it's like, yeah. uh, it's a, it a battle scar. I, you know, I took out three prison, three guards, and, and that's like a Family Guy cutaway. It's just <laughs> him just crashing into the wall. 
And then the guard's being like, what's going on in there? And he, I don't know. He thought of something. Yeah. I just, just, <laughs> I just want it to feel a little more natural. That's all. And I want him uh, in, in sort of voice acting to feel a little more natural too. Like if he's at a hundred percent of what he's doing right now, it's like, I want to be at like 95. A little more. So I don't really ever hear that much complaints about the voice acting for the here. I Probably feel bad because I'm bashing a voice people... actor who is clearly a very talented person. But it's just <laughs> like it's 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 just not the other big bads throughout this series and in this season all still feel like humans, and he he feels mm. like like a very philosophical like, again, robot. I I, again, that might that's Henry Rollins. <laughs> like if if you if, if you ever heard him speak. Uh, not outside he, of the realm of Zaheer. Yeah. He, I'm, I'm not saying he's like Zaheer, but I get why they cast Henry Rollins. It feels like here. everything he's saying is from a speech, and it just feels out of place. But again, we're talking like I just want it all dialed back, just like a hair. That's all. Mm. Minor complaints. No, I love the I love those speeches. That's that's. that's it's I love the dialogue that comes out of his mouth. I love the words that come out. It all feels good. <clears throat> all right. Well, thanks for listening to my TED talk. My Zaheer talk. <laughs> Can you imagine if that was one of their real names? It was just Ted. They have all these great names and then they go rescue Ted fifth. <laughs> It'd be like Deadpool two, where it's just like a random person with no abilities whatsoever. He's like, I'm the, uh, t- I'm the red Lotus accountant, you know? <laughs> then he died. Yeah. <laughs> the I, I'm not, I'm not rewatched Deadpool two. Do I have two copies of Deadpool 2 for some reason that I accidentally bought? I, if you get one, if you have two, sell me one of them. I've got Deadpool 1 on DVD, but not two. I, I'm not saying no, I like I it better that. than the first one, but I love that sequence of oh, the wait, other se- uh The sequence the other heroes and with Domino, it's incredible. It's one of my favorite sequences uh, in movies. Yeah. Nope, just one Deadpool 2. 10 out of 10, would recommend. No, I don't like it better than the first one, but... I, I, have, like, I have two of I have two of Incredibles two for some reason. I love everything. You know what? I didn't like Incredibles two that much, but maybe I don't think I might be might be too I, much. I gave it a. I didn't love it. Might be too much conversation to start at this time of the evening. Don't check out Don't check out my review of it. It's probably a bad review. Is it pretty early one? Better. Uh, it's probably like my seventh review. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was a pretty average movie, so whatever. <laughs> The it's like we waited like ten years for this movie for something that Whatever was number just like was a, a 15? for something that was just like a reciprocal plot of the first one like eh I'm not yeah. into it but, they should have aged him up I think yeah I think so too <clears throat> and probably did more uh, more commentary on today's life I think with like technology and... I mean, well it would have just separated and created a more interesting story probably but yeah well long story short Deadpool two any sequence with Domino. Loved them all. They're all great. Um, hey, that's our, that's our thoughts on Rebirth and our early thoughts on Zaheer. We'll have another good conversation. When, like He has so many major impactful moments. Uh, we'll definitely revisit when, I mean, when he flies. Spoiler alert. And then at the end, I'm sure. So we're not done yet. Uh, I think my favorite moments with the queen. <clears throat> oh, yeah. That one's pretty sick. That... <laughs> So you can remove all those other things to say about him in that moment because that's fantastic. <laughs> and it's so gratifying. Uh, You're like, you know what? Maybe this guy's not so bad, you know? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Maybe he's got a point. Let's let's listen to him. <laughs> the perfect... Oh. I can't wait till we rewrite this book and and we rewrite it so that... In my I don't book, know how... <laughs> when I rewrite yeah. it, him and Cora are just going to oh, wait yeah, until over. Cora gets really old. And then, like, Liz is a long life, and she's like, you know what? You got a good point. I'm going to go to the Avatar State now, and you do me and now that I've lived a good life. <laughs> We've reset the world on a good path, and now you can do your whole chaos thing. Hmm. Yeah, that's how I'll rewrite it. Done. I've already done it. I don't have to do anything else. This... Let's get... I'm tired. Let's quit. <laughs> Let's... <laughs> All right. Just rambling I forget crap. that. Just I forget rambling that crap. Thursday. Yeah. Friday, I'm like, oh, I'll just go to sleep after this and wake up at whatever time I want, and now it's work tomorrow. Yeah, and I've got to drive a lot tomorrow. Like, I'm working a half day and then driving the other half of the day, and that's bad to do tired. Don't drive tired. 
people. Yeah, don't drop tired. Hey, well, on that note, uh, we're both tired and, and old and have like jobs and stuff, so we're getting out of here. My name's Sean. That's Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter. Lots of contact information down in the description. Uh, reach out to us. We appreciate all your support all the time. Um, thank you so much for being here. This has been Avatar of the Last Podcasters. We'll see you next time.